This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Can't get enough of the fan in the morning? Shown up. Because this is nothing like that. Working. Alan Jerry are here with stories they'd never get to cover on the morning show. Very sexy robot. Hey, look at that pig. Shenanigans. Naked yoga. My mother had a bad experience with these ghosts. Let's hump the fence. It's Alan Jerry's post game podcast. Welcome to the uh, post game podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Al. Uh, Jerry's on vacation. He went to beautiful Texas with the family. So Eddie Scazzeri joins me this week. Uh, good morning, Eddie. Hello, uh, podcast people. I was thinking about this on my ride into work today. I <clears throat> had my uh, was down to a quarter of a tank. Okay. When I was uh, driving in this morning, I don't like to get gas at three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. It just seems like trouble. I will do it. But I try to avoid it when Just I can. It's like you don't like to go to ATMs, but you had to the other day. Exactly. I do, Just I try to avoid ATMs, um, gas stations, convenience stores in the middle of the night. I just think that's where trouble hangs out. But could you make it back and forth with uh, a quarter tank? Um, so that's when I got in my car this morning, I had a quarter tank. And I said, you know, I can get to work for sure. And mm-hmm. then on my way back, I could probably stop on the parkway or turnpike. Mm-hmm. Which is fine by me, but it got me thinking, when does Eddie Scazzeri get gas? Like at what point in your, let's talk about you're just going to be working, just commuting to work. Mm -hmm. How low do you let your tank go before you decide, I'm going to get gas? Almost always the get fuel light comes on. Okay. That's a good policy because then you have uh, how much after when your fuel light comes on. Uh, Well, according to like what it says, your range is, it's like, you know, 35 miles, but I know it's really 60. Yeah. But once the light comes on, I I will get gas at the next opportunity. I don't push it. Okay. But I will, I I know, I just know because I know my tank is 10.2 gallons. And I know when the light comes on, if I fill up, I'm gonna. It'll take about eight point two. So I oh, okay. usually have about two gallons left, which should be really probably closer to seventy miles. Yeah, because if you get gas sooner, you're only gonna have to get gas again sooner. Correct. Yes. So I let it go down. Yeah. And I know you're not supposed to, but for whatever reason, but I've been doing this my whole life and I've never had a problem. Did you ever run out of gas yes. in your life? Yes. As it, when you were the driver responsible for the car. Correct. I did. In an old uh before I even had my um my uh Toyota Corolla, 
I was driving an old Ford LTD, a 1983 Ford LTD Black. Sweet. And I uh, I ran out of a gas in the Holland Tunnel. Wow. Yeah. Heading into or out of New York? Out of. Out of New and York. I had to get pushed out and pushed to one of those gas stations, which are right there. But, wow. Yeah. But that was a situation where my gas gauge was broken, and I didn't know it. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. What did it say you had left? Yeah, like whatever, half. And it just, yeah, it was Dead. false. And so after that, I had to always calculate my miles and figure out for as long as I had that car to figure yeah. out how much time I had left. It's also interesting to see if you're calculating your miles when you know, oh, I go 400-something miles before I have to fill up again. Mm-hmm. The difference between the, the spring, summer, fall, and winter, how yes. that changes. Correct. Like in the winter, I'm like, I need gas again mm-hmm. because I guess it just takes your car more uh, gas and also to they change get going. The, they change in the fall. Uh, they change the formula of the gas. I think in oh, is the that right? summer, it's like cleaner burning and maybe it's more efficient. And then they change the formula slightly. Uh, but yeah, that's a thing. And then one time I was out west in the early 90s in Yellowstone Park with my wife and my sister-in-law and it was late and we're in a rental and all of a sudden, Oh boy. And you know, it's around a national park and it's late. It's after nine and like nothing's open. So I was sweating, getting to a, finding a gas station that was open, but we did. Yeah. That's a great feeling when you can, when you think you're going to run out of gas and you pull in, you're like, even if it dies right here, yes, the relief. push me. Yeah. It is a sense of relief. For yeah. Sure. And I always like, um, I think, you know, like, like, let's say going home today, if I didn't get gas, I think ah, I'll worry about it in the morning. And in the morning comes like, oh, oh, yeah. Like, I love getting in my car in the morning and there's a full tank of gas. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm good to go here for a while. And, and I, I usually will get gas if I time it right. I mean, obviously, if the light comes on, and it's in the afternoon or on the way home. I'll stop at the ones outside of the Holland or if I can make it home, I'll get it uh, at the gas station right by my house. But. Most of the time, it's early morning. As I'm leaving work, I'll I'll go to the gas station right by my house, and and uh, and get gas there. You don't feel worried that it's the middle of the night I, getting I gas. No, I've never felt really shaky. I mean, it's my neighborhood. Maybe that's part of it. And I know the cops usually they patrol the areas because I see the cop cars cruising around. You know, just like you do on Bradley Beach. Yeah. You see the people patrol. And Jerry's like, Jerry's always, Jerry's point is he gets, when he gets gas in the middle of the night morning, that uh, he goes to the Wawa where the mm-hmm. cops are always hanging out in the Wawa, that area. Mm-hmm. So same thing. Feels... And my, my guy knows me, so I'll just pull out. He does, at this point, he doesn't even get out of it. Like, you know, I, 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 I do it myself. I know you're not, you're not supposed to. In New Jersey. But oh, I would love to find a place that lets me pump my own yeah. gas. No, in the day, I like in the daytime, I never ask to do, you know, I never, unless they're really swamped, I'll just, you know, help them out a little bit. But, uh, but in the middle of the night, I, I just do it all the time. But in the daytime, you know, there could be somebody watching, like when it's state inspector or whatever. And you would prefer to pump your own gas? Oh, my God. Yeah. Me too. Yes. Gina doesn't understand why I want to pump my own gas you get out of there quicker in and out that's the only reason it's not like i love doing the action but it's just like boom done gone and that's the best part about like uh renting a car on vacation yes i'm gonna pump my own gas Mm -hmm. it makes 
stopping for gas less annoying. Mm, yes, for sure. Because you don't have to wait. Yeah, in New Jersey, you got to wait. Like, it's one guy working multiple islands yes. of, of uh, gas pumps. And forget about it. If it's at the Turnpike or park, yeah. Parkway and you got to wait in line sometimes before you even yes. get gas. Ridiculous. What's the other state? Oregon? Yeah. But I think they, they were in the process of flipping that. Oh, or, the or, only... they, or they just did it. We were, like, legitimately the only state left. Nice. Where you can't pump your own gas. Give me the option. Give me a self-serve island. Right. And hey, I I, I want to. Yes. Uh, yeah. I would actually, if I pulled into a gas station and it said self-serve, three fifty, we pump for you three forty. I'm going self-serve. Yeah. I'll pay extra. Right. Because at that point, it's going to be what an extra ten cents for right. ten gets a dollar. But yeah, it's worth it. I still see huge lines at the Costco gas stations. Mm-hmm. Because, see, yeah, what are you saving? Right. What are you saving? You like, have you have to... a 10-gallon tank. Right. Mm-hmm. What do you yeah. Even if it's a dime difference, which it's not. Right. A dollar you saved. Yes. And I have to drive out of my way yeah. to to get it. And because and wait in the line. And wait in the line because it's cheaper. And so yeah. all these people are driving further and idling, and it's going to probably be a wash. Were you, were you well, – I know you weren't driving yet. Because you're only a couple years older than me, but were, do you remember the gas shortage in the '70s yes. when we had a wait in line Correct. for I do. gas? I do. Man, I remember one time waiting with my mother mm-hmm. in this huge line, like where you boy, where you would get the Sunday newspaper to read while you were waiting in line yes. for gas. Uh huh. And I don't know, uh, were, F- Sandy, were you in Basking Ridge? Um. Yes. Okay, so I don't think you were affected out there. No, but the gas, we still had gas problems. But you did, oh, so you did have some gas lines. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because in my neighborhood, it was like insane. They had cops because people were getting into fights. You could just smell gas everywhere because when they had it, they would just run through the whole supply. But then you drive down the turnpike to exit 8. Right. And it was like nothing ever happened. So twice in my life, I remember gas lines. Yeah. I know it gets scarier. Like you or you, mm-hmm. you take for granted that we've just got gas anytime we want it, uh, or and food anytime we yeah. want. Yeah, and water, and you know, you know, what it was was during Sandy. We did we lost power for mm-hmm. like a week, in, even yeah. in Basking Ridge. Mm-hmm. And so I that was the problem. You, I think you tweeted it at that time. I'm still not going to read a book. No, I had a book on my <laughs> shelf. I was like, if I'm not reading this book now, yeah. I am never going to read mm-hmm. this book, so I probably should just toss it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I've got zero entertainment right now. We talked a little bit about on the show Road Rage. Yes. Was your dad a Road Rage guy? No. He was not, not at all. No. Very calm yeah. driver. Yeah. He w- yeah, not a Road Rage and not like a crazy speeder or weaving in and out. None of that. And you are not that way. I am not that way. I mean, I'll, and especially like... I, I think, like, although I, you know, I don't have a history of speeding tickets. I've gotten them, of course. Um, you know, there's places where if you're going 60 and a 50, it, they're going to give you a ticket. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I've never been, a, like, a crazy driver, crazy speeder, or really, like, I'll, I'll say, like, you know, I'll make a comment when somebody cuts me off or doesn't signal or whatever, but I, I don't get really angry about it. Will you yell what you yell here, like if a commercial doesn't work right? Yes. 
correct. I'll do that. F hump. Yeah, you hump, yell. Yeah. You'll yeah. yell that to a, yeah. or you'll say it out loud in your car. You're oh, not correct. hanging at your window yelling no, no, at no, a I'm guy. Not, right. I'm not really angry, or, yeah. but I just. Yeah, Annoyed. I kinda, yeah, I note it for sure. Have you ever been in the car with Chernoff? Um, yes, not that's often. An, that's an experience. I think I went to, drove from when we were still working in Queens mm-hmm. to a Met game, which was not far, but, uh, a tough ride because of yes, traffic and all sure. that stuff. And yeah, I remember. And I drove with him and Eric Spitz and Spitz is not that way. No. Yeah. 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 Mark was a very, very uh, angry. angry driver. And yeah. would like honk the horn and like swerve. and hey. Yeah. Right. My dad was a crazy driver when we were younger. I remember I have I recall two incidents. Um, well, he he my mother had told stories that when they were dating or early married, he would, you know, if a trucker looked down from the 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 higher up seat in a mm-hmm. truck down at my mother in the passenger seat, he would like freak out, mm. get very angry. There were two two times I remember. One was uh, we were going to my Little League baseball game, which was played behind the Colonia Middle School. Where we were. Where we were. Right. And my father went around the corner, and some some teenage kid, also in some sort of baseball uniform, he was older than me, though. He was on a bike. And my father came around the corner, and where this kid was, we wouldn't have known he would have been there. So we weren't close to hitting him, but we came around. And the guy, the kid goes, yeah, fucking asshole. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My father got out of the car and was screaming at, like, face-to-face with this wow. teenage kid. I remember, like, oh, my God, now I got to go play baseball. Yeah. And then the other time we were we were uh, getting off the highway for an air show. And it was uh, bumper-to-bumper traffic, two lanes mm-hmm. exiting the highway. And so it was slow, and the car next to you would pass you for uh, then. You'd catch up to them. It was slow. And there was these group of guys in a car, and they just, and this was the actual phrase they used. They said, um, they called my father a duty head. (laughs) Duty head. (laughs) Well, as soon as the car stopped, he got out. They roll up their window really quick. He punched their window. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I, mean, I was thinking that hey, a man was sitting here in traffic with a car full of kids. He was probably annoyed as hell. Yeah, but that's some serious rage. Serious rage, yeah. So I never did that. I never. I've never. I've. I'm like you. I'll yell. Yeah. To myself. Right. I'll put my hand. Sometimes I'll put my hands up so in case they look in the rear view mirror and I'll wave like, "Hello, I was yeah. here. You cut me right off." But I'm never getting out of my car. To, I don't have that kind of rage. Yeah, and the the. Like, if someone is, like, sort of being a jerky driver and is upset at me for either not going fast enough or not moving over, whatever, if they ever, like, um, like you know, pull up next and, like, you know, gesticulate in some I just, I blow them a kiss. Because <laughs> I know that's going to just oh, yeah. cheese them off. Yes. Yeah. That's about it. That's, you know, if that's, I think it's kind of just funny. It's but, fun, yeah. Yeah, so. You know, but maybe I'll get punched one day. Uh, yeah, I doubt it. I don't think you'd get. Yeah, I don't think you'd get get punched for that. But that's the extent of my uh, road rage. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, especially going into, and I I would definitely even when I would 
have any sort of road rage. If I was in New York City, to me, that goes out the window. Yeah, no, no. I'm not a road rage person right. in New York you gotta, City. You got to you know the room. Yeah, know the room. And I don't know what goes on. In the, and Or like at, you know, 3 a.m. in New York City, mm-hmm. someone cuts you off. They're cutting me off. No problem. Yeah. yeah. I won't even gesture from the inside the car. Yeah. Yeah. And you always have to be ready to just break traffic laws if you see trouble coming. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, more so when I was cutting through Jersey City when they were doing all this construction on the Pulaski Skyway. Yeah. I, I just knew that there were certain times when I, I might have to just punch it. So Certain parts of town where yeah, at it, that hour. But no, I've, I've thought about it in New York. I've never done it. Yeah. You know, never even come close. But, I've you know, I've thought about it. It's weird where we are in New York because we're so close to the Holland Tunnel. Mm -hmm. When it's open, you know, when we get in through the Holland Tunnel, we're at work in a matter of a few minutes. And when we're leaving, we're gone in a matter of a few minutes. Right. So we don't really get the full craziness of New York driving. No. Um, be, uh, unless we're in the morning, sometimes the Holland Tunnel's closed and we have to cut through New York a different way. That will see stuff, but we don't get the high traffic, high no. intensity chaos. But the the one where we've been going last week and this week, because the Holland's closed again. Yeah. That little area, you know it, as you're on your going oh, yeah. up to Broome. That, 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 that could be a little trouble. Yeah, you're looking around. Oh, for sure. And it's weird, too, when you see... When you see Someone who looks like a victim walking around. Yeah, like what is this? You'll see like a a, a girl mm-hmm. with headphones on, so clearly listening to yes. music, walking by herself at three thirty four a.m. Yes. Uh-huh. in a part of town where in your car you don't feel great. Correct, and right across the street is this like this little linear strip park, and there's some sketchiness in there. Which Very you sketchy. Yeah. So I don't know, like, what, like, man, there's a victim. Like, if I was a criminal, I'd see there's a victim. Yeah, well, braver braver than I, for yeah. sure. There's one woman I see all the time in the morning walking down Hudson. Yes, yes, I've far. seen her. Uh-huh. She walks far, because I've seen her in different yes. parts. And it's like, I don't know if she's it's her exercise or what, because she goes back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, I see her, too. Although this area, again, it's a little better, a little less. Yeah, it is. A little quieter. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. But you did see one time when this, or th- there was a, a period of time during uh, the COVID situation when there were, oh the riot, yeah, some the, riots. Well, that was it had nothing to do with COVID. It had to uh, co- it coincided with the George Floyd, oh, okay, uh, case, and then there was the basically riots in New York and many other big cities where that was that was crazy because that was when the Holland was closed. And I had to come oh, across man. the book. Brooklyn Bridge was right near City Hall. And as soon as I got off the bridge, I was like, oh, my God. I was a little worried. And then I got got eased up as I got over to our area across town, east to west, and thought it was all good. And then, of course, some rioters were coming up Hudson Street and broke into the pharmacy. And oh, You saw that? Uh, oh, I was, yeah, I thought I was dead. But they... Some went up Hudson, some came down King, but on the other side, and that's when they had taken the register for inside Hudson Pharmacy and were smashing it on the sidewalk. And that's uh, it's right across the street, right by, you know, where that uh, accessoride thing is and the 
you know, our garages here. Yeah. And I was like, oh boy. And uh, yeah, but I made it. Here I am. Did anyone yell anything at you when you? No, were... no. I kind of just kept my, it just kept quiet and kind of kept moving. And as I walked by the Hudson Pharmacy, they had smashed the window. They were still in there. Wow. And I just quickly got down to the entrance as fast as I could, fumbling with my key card. And then I told uh, the uh, security people, I said, listen, there's crap going down here. Don't go out there. And And I actually was disturbed enough, I sent an email to Chernoff and to Olive and to Ben Maverick. I said, listen, hey, because this was when not a lot of people were still coming in. I said, just be aware this is happening. And but how how many days did that last? One. It was just the one day. And there was no, when you came back the next day, there wasn't any more no. additional chaos going on? No. And then after that, the rest of that week, you had to show some some paper to get into the like through the link and the, you never experienced this. I had like a letter from churn offer from the company or something that I'm authorized or whatever. And for that week after those riots, I took the Lincoln because I was like, I am not going through that again. And, and I twice I coming out of the tunnel, most of the times I just got away, but twice I had to, I was asked to show. What did they call that when you're like, a um, like a needed employee, a, a was that what essential. it was? Essential, yeah. Where yeah. you are, essential worker Correct. letter. Correct. Which Damn. always felt like I'm on the very low end of <laughs> essential. If you want to police, firefighters, right. ambulance, right? You know, even like way above us is like people repairing phone lines and power lines and all that. What is so essential, sir, about your job? Well, I've got a boomer uh, penis drop. Yes, I've got to. I really have to do the people need it. <laughs> Especially in this time. Yeah, people in this time need. Yeah. I've got a huge penis. A boomer saying huge penis. I've got to get yes. that out there on the air. Mm-hmm. And I may have some fart sound effects to play. So yeah, you, please, sir. I have to. Please, sir. Let me get through. Mm-hmm. All right, Eddie, let's do the uh, warm-up program. Okay. Are you adding the warm-up program to this? Yes, I am. It's uh, with CeeLo and Big Zoo. Correct. I figure there would be enough people who be, might be interested ah, in that. Give it a shot. Yeah. Hey. And then tomorrow I'll be back with CeeLo in the warm-up show chair. Yes. Gio and Joe B. Yes. Yeah, in uh, the 6 to 10. And then for two days, and then a Gio and Stugatz. Yes, Stugatz. Who I just learned today. I may have known this before, but I forgot what his real name is. John Wiener. John Wiener, yeah. You knew that kind of? Yeah, well, yeah actually, yeah. I only know that actually from his Twitter handle, I think. He was his, he, or no, in his bio, he's, he might say his name is John Wiener. No. Okay. Wiener. And I, I don't know much about his, like, early history. I know he's been with ESPN and the yeah. Lebitard, uh for quite some time. I'm but. going to see if he has a Wikipedia page. All right. And I'm going to read up I'm on gonna that. I'm going to say he does. I'm going to say he does as well. Yeah. I'll read up on him there. Okay. And then, uh, so we'll see you tomorrow. Yes, we will. So! so- I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This happened, you talked about it on The Fan. The most successful team in the history of professional sports. Starting the new millennium, the New York Yankees are once again world champions. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey And Jerry, don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't suck. Oh, happy Monday, what do you say, 502, Crystal Presti here on the warm-up show. A couple weeks ago, I had the great honor and privilege of hanging out in this space with uh, Chris McMonigle, Big Mac, C-Mac for the full week. This morning, I am graced with the presence of one... Big Zoo. Good morning, Big Zoo. Oh, hi there, CeeLo. And it's, uh, I guess, a Black Monday here, based on the way you and I are dressed. We are uh, all clad in black here. Black Monday, men in black. Oh, yeah. And, you know uh, what it is. Yeah, yeah. We here, right? Oh, we here, give man. Me we... loud, give me a loud, give me give me a little energy here to get us started here, right? We here. We here. We Let's here, go. baby. Yeah. Well, you know who's not here? Max Scherzer's not no, here. No. And uh, come Tuesday or tomorrow evening, we'll see if Justin Verlander and others are here. You're a big Met fan, so uh, let's get your... Initial take on the weekend that was for the Mets and the big move of Scherzer obviously going to the Texas Rangers. I mean, I think uh, I'm happy that it happened because I was afraid they weren't going to actually pull it off. I thought they were going to end up staying pat and not doing anything really of significance, you know, moving Tommy Fams and Robertson eventually. I didn't expect Robertson to go that early. Right. Uh, a little bit of a questionable call there, but whatever. It doesn't really matter at this point. Had Scherzer. the Clay closed out the game for the Marlins Sunday. Saw him wearing number 19 in the Miami Marlins uniform. It looked a little strange. Yeah, not a good number for him. Yeah, whatever works. Yeah, exactly. Hey, But uh, no, when I saw the Scherzer news starting to come out, I'm interested. I'm going, okay, what's the prospect return going to be? Because this is something that I've been thinking about for a while. And honestly, I've wanted Jack Leiter in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we don't get him. You get a top 50 prospect, though, in uh, Luis Angel Acuna. Nicely done. I like him. I think he's going to be a solid player. you got to just continue to develop. And, I mean, I do have to say this, though. Peace out, Max Scherzer, man. You never really – you never endeared yourself here. You never really cared. Honestly, I'm gonna be I'm gonna just be real about it. You never didn't really cared. care. Look at Big Zoo comes out firing here on an early I, Monday morning. I mean it's it, obviously because he just he didn't care about being a meta, I should say. Mercenary about, piece of crap. Yeah, there that's, you go. You know what? Re reworded, I'm with you there. All yes. he wanted to do here was get a championship. He wasn't even close as and it's because of him. 
Right. And he's demanding out, or maybe not demanding out, but he's going. I think he did, but I have no, I have no I evidence agree. to back that up. I agree 100%. Because you go into that office, you're Max Scherzer, and it's where they are in the um, in the course of the Turade talks. He's going, yeah, send me to Texas. Hell yeah. And I'm opting in so that you guys have to pay even more money to Texas. Yeah, I don't know. that. I think that was more the Rangers if they were going to give up a prospect like Acuna True. wanting to have not just a rental, but somebody that they could have into their rotation for next year because they're kind of, you know, they've been kind of what, one of those teams now for the last few years that's been rebuilding, stocking their farm system. You got Chris Young down there running the show, and now they've arrived. They've spent a lot of money in free agency the last couple of years, and you saw the moves that they made beyond Scherzer. They also got... Um, Araldis Chapman a couple weeks ago. Jordan and Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery now on Sunday. So they're loading up for the run here. And I'm sure not thinking this is just a one-year thing. So from that standpoint, I get it a little bit. Um, you mentioned the money that the Mets send to pull this off. Now, everyone's like, well, they basically, you know, look at Steve Cohen. He spent $36 million just to get Acuna. Now, I will say this. If it wasn't Acuna and it was some other prospect in the Rangers system, I, I don't necessarily think that the Rangers would have taken on the full Max Scherzer contract. Like, I don't think that extra money that the Mets kicked in or a, or a big chunk of what's remaining for Scherzer between now and the end of next season was just tied to the level of prospect. A factor, I'm sure there's a number assigned, but I think Max Scherzer got into a point, especially if they wanted him to opt in for next year at that number. I don't think he's pitched well enough where anyone would be willing to take that without a, without the Mets picking up a, a big chunk of that contract. Hell no. And honestly, with any of these teams that are in the race right now, you look at them, there's a lot of small market teams out there. Mm-hmm. And there's one in particular that I really hope shows up and, you know, maybe drop some on Billy Epler's desk that won't uh, that he can't deny for Justin Verlander. But we'll get to that maybe in a little bit. No, but, we can get to it right oh, now. Yeah? Why the hell not? Which team is that? I want the Orioles. Okay. I want no, I don't want I don't want a single trade offer to be considered by the Mets for Justin Verlander until the Baltimore Orioles give them a because call. their system is so chock full of uh, prospects right yep. now after years of sucking and picking mm-hmm. you know first second third in the draft so on and so forth. I actually am one of those sickos who's been diving into the Orioles oh, okay. system a little You're bit all over, over the, last the prospects month or so. right now. All right. Yeah, I've been all over the prospects for like mm-hmm. 2 months now because I've two kind months. of wow. Yeah, I, I kind of I've been feeling You're this. Breaking down the film from these minor league games here, yeah, checking out guys watching the old splits, you know, the, splits, the, uh, okay. the OPS as they sure, say. Sure, sure. Uh, whatever that, you know. I know what that means. Yeah, yeah. No, but um Heston Kierstad. That's Heston my guy. Heston Kierstad, that's your guy. Outfielder. Okay. He's hit he's hitting 330 right now in AAA. He's got like a career 320 mm. average across minor league baseball. If I brought five Orioles prospects into this studio right now and lined them up side by side, could you pick out Heston Kierstad? I could. Yeah. He's a big boy. You've seen a headshot or you've actually watched some footage of him play? I saw him crank one out the other way. I the thought other you were going to give me, uh, what's his name? Uh, was it Jackson Holiday? Matt Holiday's kid? Oh, that, that would was be the number nice. one pick last year, I think it was. Yeah, right? he was the number one pick last yeah. year. And he's, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, it's weird. They have, they kind of have a similar issue with the Mets, right? Or maybe not issue because the Mets are, these, some, most of these guys aren't even going to see the light of day anytime soon in the majors. But they have a lot of prospects that are shortstops and third baseman, who mm-hmm. they're trying to convert into outfielders, so they're listing them as outfielders or they're throwing them out there. But Jackson Holiday is the guy they're concentrating on, and when you have Gunnar Henderson here, you have three or four other shortstops and third baseman who are in AAA and you know on the verge of being ready. 
I don't know what you end up doing there in Baltimore, but you got to start making some moves. It's a nice problem to have, certainly. But I think when you if you talk about a, I won't say small market team, but we know the Orioles. They don't like to spend. No, exactly. So if you're talking about Verlander, then you're talking about Uncle Stevie picking up the tab quite a bit again, I have to imagine. Hey, hey I mean, that's why he has money. Yeah. For things, well, not for things like this, because you never really want to do this. But as a Met fan, I have zero, zero, zero desire to be in this situation ever again. So we're here right now. We here. We here. We here. Make all the freaking moves that you can possibly make and jumpstart this farm system because mm. you're telling me that's what you want to do. You're telling me we want to win. I we think they're trying build. to do both at the yeah. same time. You can't. You can't because mm. this is what happens this year. You spend the money you spend, you forfeited your first-round draft pick. So right. essentially the one guy in the draft where you can kind of go, okay, this there's a real good shot but that we you can know, work him you up. But you know historically yeah. with baseball, I mean – what do the rounds really mean? Uh, no, you know, nothing. Yeah, you, 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 know, you give yourself the best chance, you feel like, because the guys with more value generally go towards them. But, I mean, how many examples of there are? Like, if you ran down the list of first-round picks for the Yankees and the Mets in the last 30 years, the no, amount of guys that never even sniffed the big leagues. No, absolutely, a ton. And, I mean, Mets-wise, it's probably damn near everybody. Yeah. But um, I, I, I'm just saying from the perspective of you're looking to build, right? You no, know, I get that. you, you got to keep that first-round pick. You could, but you look at it also this way in that they made two trades over the course of the last week or so where they added three guys who, I don't know, maybe they wouldn't have been taken first round or in Acuna's case, it's you know on the international side, um, but guys that are considered to be legitimate prospects with high ceilings. Now, people didn't want to hear that about the Robertson trade because they're like, one's 18, one's 19, but if you read up on what people say about them, it's, hey, you know, these are not just middling, low-level, like low level from the standpoint of their upside, right? Absolutely. So, and w- look, what does all that mean? You're diving into the prospects. I mean, we, we can all say, oh, yeah, you know, Luis Sanhel Acuna, he's, he's going to be a stud. He's, he's going to be somewhat like his brother. We have no idea. Uh, I don't think And look no good. further than, and it's not just this example, but it happens year in and year out. I mean, think about where we were at with Anthony Volpe coming out of spring training, and who knows? Maybe he'll turn into a really good player over time, but, I mean, he is not produced anywhere near what you would have expected for the Yankees. Absolutely not. So this is, they are, they're prospects for a reason, and you all you can do is hope, right? That's yeah. what it's all about, the hope, the opportunity, the potential, the upside. But w- once you get these guys into your system, it's on you to develop them. Uh, some of it's on them, obviously. How do they progress? What happens when they go to these other levels? I mean, and we've seen time and time again, guys that kill it at AAA that can't hack it in the big leagues, the old quadruple-A players. So it's it's hard to say but from a Mets standpoint. Like, uh, I don't know, man. I go back to Friday night listening to Scherzer and what he said after his start against the Nationals and just the tone and the look on his face. I have a hard time believing that he didn't have a significant impact Absolutely. on the outcome less than 24 hours later. Yeah, and and Max Scherzer, like I said, to start, you know, peace, bro, be out. You want to kick rocks? Kick rocks. Like, I don't need you here. You you clearly do not care about this franchise. And, and one other thing to just demonstrate that was seeing Justin Verlander yesterday walking off the mountain. Now, granted, he's getting a standing ovation. The crowd's, you know, letting him feel it a little now, bit. Now, why do you think that was? Do you think that was because they are up on, hey, he this, he never know, he could be traded, mm-hmm. or people were aware that he was in line for his 250th career victory? Like, he did. He pitched five and a third of one-run ball. Yeah. It was a solid start. It, it wasn't, wasn't a great, great outing. Yeah. 
No, so especially for Verlander. So what the heck was that about? I've, I'm not. I mean, it's great. Hey, standing O, and he acknowledged them. That's all cool. I'm just wondering how that came to be. I think honestly, it's it's like you said. I think it's a combination of the fact that they probably were getting a lot of 250 thrown down. Maybe you know, seeing it in their faces. Maybe people are talking about it in the crowd. That's potentially part of it. But I think more so, it's people knowing. This might be the last start he has here. Yeah. And maybe them not understanding his contract. So them thinking, oh, let's make him feel the love. So maybe he'll come back next year, come back the following year. And I mean, I think that could be a little bit a part of it too, is a little naivety in the crowd. But yeah, I, and I listened to Verlander yeah, was after weird, the though. start, I, I, after the start yesterday. And I don't know. I, I, I understand where the Mets are at, where right now they're going to probably pick up the phone call from anybody on anybody, which is just kind of what Billy Epler alluded to yesterday, in addition to also saying, you know, it's not it's not a fire sale. We're not basically uh, waving the white flag on, even though they are. They have waved yeah. the white flag on this season. And by the way, credit to them for acknowledging that and doing that, you know, mm-hmm. because trying to just bang your head against the wall when things clearly aren't going your way, uh, I don't think is the answer. So at least, you know, with Robertson, it's a guy who was – Expiring contract, you get a couple pieces, you want to bring him back in the winter and run it back next year, go right ahead. With Scherzer, to me, it's a guy that, you know, it's diminishing returns. So last year, the overall numbers were really good, but we understand what happened down the stretch against the Braves and against the Padres. (coughs) Yeah, exactly. And it was more of the same this year, you know, Braves again, Padres again. The Yankees start, Red Sox start. I think there's one I'm missing. I kind of run oh, through the list. There's probably about four more that you're missing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and again, he's on, he's on track for, you know, his worst season ERA-wise in over 10 years. Yep. And he's, you know, it's a lot of lot of mileage on, the, on those tires. And I think it's a situation where, I mean, let's get something for him while we still can. And you're going to say, yeah, but you're also paying for him next year. But you were going to pay for him anyway because mm-hmm. he wasn't opting out. He's going to, I mean, at his age... In a season where he's going to pitch to an ERA potentially over four, there's no way he's saying, yeah, you know what, $43 million? No thanks. Here, you take it back or I'm going to go back out into the market. So I, I actually applaud the Mets for the, for, the, for the approach and the wherewithal to kind of figure, all right, well, you know what, we're paying one way or the other. Let's use that resource that we have of being able to cut these checks and let's go get ourselves a legitimate prospect. The Verlander situation is different, right? Because he's in year one of his mm-hmm. deal with the Mets, so he's on the books for next year. It's he's got the no trade. There's no you know opt in or opt out clause situation. And the other thing is, I get your point. The Orioles, whoever, someone makes you a great deal, a great offer, you got to at least listen. But if you move out both of those guys and you're serious about contending next year, like you're going right back out into the market this winter, whether it's in free agency or a trade, because you're looking at a situation then where the only holdover for next year or the top holdover for next year is Kodai Senga, mm-hmm. who's pitched well, but you you can't you're not you can't go into next year and say, Hey, we're a real a serious contender and here's here Kodai Senga's our ace. No. So and I and I can't tell you right now who's gonna be available come the winter, whether it's in free agency or a trade. So but you're you're then spending more money or using more resources to go out and fill those two holes that you just created. I I look at it this way. I mean, and I'm looking at the Mets farm system right now. You got like the Baltimore Orioles have, they have a lot of sh- in middle infielders, third baseman, guys that they're trying to find positions for. Mm-hmm. And they have Kevin Parada. And they have so, no pitching. No pitching in the minors. Or at least nothing that's, you know, knocking not, on the door. Exactly. And everything that is knocking on the door is a five plus ERA. So I don't want to hear about <laughs> guys in AAA and double A right now. But I do think with all of those 
you know, fielding prospects that you have. You could potentially go out this offseason, and I think this guy is going to be available for the right price, and that would be one Shane Bieber from Cleveland. Okay. And I think that's the, that would be the smart move, to get a guy in his late 20s. I think he's my age. Maybe he's going to be 28. So, you know, late 20s, sign him to a nice long-term deal. That's your guy. You're still looking then at, like, if you did move Verlander. And I'm not saying you're— Well, that you're, would be in that scenario, of right. course. Okay, so then you've got Bieber, Sanga, and Quintana. You still got work to do in that rotation. Yeah. Because Carrasco's you... done. We know that. Scherzer's gone. McGill and Peterson have been underwhelming at best. I mean, maybe maybe Peterson gets a shot now that Scherzer's gone and he shows you something like you thought you were going to get at the beginning of the season because he was dominant in spring training. You're like, okay, still young player, lefty, good Ball. stuff, upsize, you know, upside, all those things. It just hasn't hasn't happened for him yet. But if they, you know, if they really have designs on Hey, we're gonna take another run at this thing next year. That's where I mean, unless there's some sort of overwhelming package that somebody offers for Verlander, and to this point, it sounds like that hasn't happened. I imagine that come Tuesday at six o'clock, he's still on the Mets. I think the same thing, especially after his comments yesterday and the way that it just kind of the way that that felt when he walked off the mound. It felt like okay, this guy's not going anywhere because he hasn't been here long enough for this type of a reception and this type of a reception is going to tell a guy like him i got to stay here so i thought that's what i thought watching that is he's not going to allow himself to get traded and anymore. i thought if there was something really brewing or percolating that he wouldn't have even made the start yesterday i was yeah. kind of quite honestly expecting almost to wake up to that on sunday like ah we're going to scratch him push him back you know and that Dave would have Peterson. told you hey there's something going on here uh not the case not to say it won't happen but you know we've got uh what 36 uh, 37 hours or so as we Begin the countdown to uh, Tuesday's trade deadline at 6 o'clock. All right, that's the Mets' perspective. On the other side, you've got the Yankees, and uh, it was an ugly weekend, again, for the Yankees down in Baltimore. An opportunity for it to go the other way, and then they made a decision as far as Sunday's game went with Aaron Judge, but in the end, it didn't really matter because Luis Severino basically uh, couldn't get anybody out in the first inning. So we'll dive into that when we return just off and running here on a Monday warm-up show. CeeLo and Big Zoo leading you into uh, Boomer, not Boomer. Geo and Al Dukes. Woo! How about that? Al Dukes sitting in the power chair, not the power chair, the boomer chair, coming up at the top of the hour here on The Fan. All right, we're back on a Monday morning. CeeLo and Big Zoo and on the warm up show today. There you go. Yeah. That's Alan Jerry? No, who is that? Boomer. Oh, it's tremendous. All right, very good. Zeddy Scazzeri brings us back here. You've got Gio and the great Al Dukes coming up at the top of the hour as Al will uh, do Boomer duties for the first three hours of the show, and then our boy Anthony Gallo is going to get the last hour. He was due that from when he uh, jumped into the Atlantic Ocean with Gio, the uh, big summer kickoff, Memorial Day weekend down there in Belmar. So uh, he was owed that hour, and uh, Gio will pay up later on this morning. So that should be fun as well. Looking forward to that, Big Zoo. Oh, yeah. There we go. We got a little double G hour in the 9 o'clock. You got Gallo-Gio combination. Very good. So now McMonagall kind of alluded to this at the end of uh, his overnight program, and I'll say it to you this way. Uh, So we're off and running. We did our Mets talk, and we could. This is obviously a Monday, beginning of the week. This could essentially be the... Last week, I would say, where baseball matters around these parts until next year. Very possible when you consider the trade deadline, the fact that the Mets have, quote-unquote, waved the white flag on the season, whether Verlander remains or not, 
And then from a Yankees standpoint, off another series loss to a division rival in the Orioles and as ugly as Sunday's game went, beyond that, I get it. They're only three out in the loss side for that final AL wildcard spot. But two of the teams that they are chasing at the moment, and the Rays and the Astros, come calling this week in the Bronx, seven-game homestand. And if things get ugly... By the time we get to next Monday, the Yankees could uh, find themselves significantly back in the standings. And who the heck knows what they're going to do, if anything, between now and tomorrow at 6 o'clock as the trade deadline arrives. Now, let me ask you, CeeLo, because I have my thoughts on this, and I absolutely think they should be maybe not full-on sellers the same way the Mets are, but they need to make some strategic moves here. They can't be going all in on buying right Problem now. is they have nothing to sell right now. Yeah, that's, yeah <laughs> not wrong. They got it. I mean, listen, you got a couple arms in the bullpen. You could maybe move on and you could guess, try to bring yeah. in some different pieces. I'm not, I'm saying something more along the lines of a Harrison Bader, you know, Jordan Montgomery trade last year rather than a Max Scherzer or a, you know, David Robinson type of trade. Yeah, the difference with, you know, a Bader Montgomery thing in this case, well, I, mean, I assume you were you talking about Bader specifically for like right now or you're saying just something no, I'm in, just along saying those along lines? those lines where you're trading, you know, a position player for a pitcher, yeah. guys that are major league ready. You're not getting prospects. You're getting somebody that's going to step in. And I don't know who the pitcher there. would be because, I mean, look, Luis Severino is worth a bag of balls right he, now. He told oof. you after last night he feels like he's the worst pitcher in baseball. He's not right wrong. Now. No, he's not. And, I mean, he it's six runs before he gets an out last night. Uh, he ends up giving up all nine across three and a third. There's been a bunch of these starts since he's come off the IL. His ERA, which I think is 7.49, is the worst through 12 starts. And I know that's a random number, but just to give you some context, it's the worst through 12 starts in Yankees franchise history in any given season. That's that, how bad he's been. That sounds about right. So you talk about him, Nestor Cortez, who's rehabbing right now and is not back. Domingo Herman, who if you remove the... Big if if you remove the perfect game stats and what his numbers look like, and he's had some stinkers and some clunkers mixed. Like I don't oh, think yeah. they have that pitcher right now. The you know the old hey still has a year or two of control that you would look to shop to another team that would fetch anything significant right now. So it's really it's Cole, it's Rodon. You're waiting for Cortez to get back. Severino's been a mess, uh, and Herman is is what he is. I mean he had the he had that weird awkward. Awkward's not the right word. How about random moment out in Oakland, whatever it was now, month and change ago? But he's a guy who some nights is going to look unhittable, and other nights is going to be very hittable, and he's probably going to pitch to an ERA for the season of about four and a half. Mm-hmm. So what is that worth? I don't I don't think that you know that profile is what Jordan Montgomery offered for the Yankees last year and in the years he was with them. Lefty. Guy that probably has more upside, oh, yeah. guy that the Yankees never scored for. I mean, and you think about that trade, and now he's moved again. The Rangers obviously saw something. He's I, having a good year. Yeah, and someone said he's basically one of the prizes of the deadline, yeah. and he now is an impending free agent. So that is a potential rental situation if the Rangers aren't going to resign him. Uh, but from a Yankee standpoint, man, I mean, you, the, maybe the couple, somebody in the bullpen. Yeah, but the names and the names you were hearing them connected to, you know, Cody Bellinger was the obvious name. Bang, oh. Cubs have ripped off what nine in a row now, and it sounds like he's not going to be moved. No shot. Randall Grichuk was another name you heard. He gets moved yesterday. There go the Angels again. Mm-hmm. So suddenly the Angels are you know more aggressive than the Yankees are here, trying to make a run at the wild card. Artie Moreno is so desperate. Hey, he's to all keep in. Shohei, Otani sure, around. or at least to get something to get some. You know, some burn out of him here yep. the rest of the way, regular season, and hoping to get into the postseason to, you know, cash some of those uh, receipts there from Ooh. the fans for a couple of, and who even knows, by the way, if they end up, I mean, if it looks like if they got in, they'd be a wild card team. Yeah. 
So you're not even you're not even getting a, you're probably not even getting yourself any home games unless because they're if they're going to get in as a wild card they're probably not going to be you know they're going to be on the lower you're not end be of the, the, the yeah four so you'd have to win that series just to get into the division series and get yourself an actual home game in the postseason. Oh man, you got to love that though. I mean, I I I just I love that this guy who has been sitting here for however many years with Mike Trout and Otani and you know he goes out in the offseason, he signs guys like Rendon and I mean. Josh Hamilton in years past, but yeah. nothing to show for it. Nothing, nothing. And then the year that Otani's about to be a free agent, that's the oh man, we got to we got to click on now. We got to trade everybody. Yeah. We got to get this guy to stick around. That's strange. So they add Gritchuk and CJ Crone from the Rockies. So you're starting to see the moves percolate a little bit. The Mets have obviously been involved, and the Yankees are just kind of sitting, sitting there. Which I, you know, I can't even like you would expect more aggressiveness because they keep telling you. Every time Aaron Boone's asked about it, oh, you know, it's in front of us. We hold the pen. We still think we're a championship team, blah, 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 blah. Uh, um, but, yeah, like, when Aaron Judge is not in the lineup, it's – I mean, they're not. They're nothing. They're and not. And you saw that again on Sunday. Now, in fairness, ended up being the, the right decision – or maybe not the right decision, but it worked out for them giving him the day off Sunday because Luis Severino puts you in an immediate – I won't say insurmountable hole, but right out of the gate you're – it's a big uphill climb, but yeah. but in on principle, I did not agree or necessarily understand with that decision after Judge gives you a dynamic game Saturday, right? Friday night, he makes his return, three walks. He's on base three times. The rest of the offense had four singles. They do <laughs> nothing. So Saturday, he says, ah, forget the walks. You know, I got to hit the ball out of the ballpark, which he does again. He just kills it at Camden Yards. Oh. His numbers against the Orioles in his career are absurd. He's played less than 100 games against them, and he's got like 39 home runs. Mm. It's crazy, right? And he's got three hits. He gives you everything you want to see. And look, I get it. They got no days off. He's just back. But it's like they decide not to send him on the rehab assignment. He gets, you know, live BP against Jonathan Loisega last week and then a couple of sim games down in, in Florida. It's like, okay, here we go. Now, that worked out for them because somehow, you think about it, Stan comes off the IL, takes him like six weeks to find anything. Um, Rizzo um, goes into the tank. You know, Donaldson was a mess even when he was healthy. Then he's out again. Bader's in and out of the lineup on the IL. And here goes Judge, basically out for two months. And he hits the ground running, looks just like the guy that was carrying them before he got hurt in L.A. And then it's like, well, you know, got to pick our spots here because, you know, he hasn't played a lot. No, You know, in theory, this game that we got on Saturday could have been for double-A Somerset, but we we benefited from it. So now we got to be careful. It's I, I mean, at what point, if you're going to say it's all in front of us, we hold the pen and you've got ground to make up. And it's not so much like. Three in the loss column is not a big number, but when you look at the teams that they have to chase down Mm -hmm. and you look at this stretch that they're in, Orioles, Rays, Astros, I mean, this could essentially be the season. You've got to have your best player on the field. Also, they were facing a guy in Dean Kramer who in the early part of July pitched against them in the Bronx and completely shut them down for seven innings, struck out ten. Mm Want to guess who had great career numbers against Dean Kramer? Oh. Let me get Aaron Judge. Four for ten with three home runs. But no. No, He's no. You gotta no. take Sunday off. No, I Again, got it. it worked out for them because Severino was awful. But is that really hey, we were right about Judge because we had no chance to win the game. What does that really say about yourself? Yeah, like why are you the thing that gets me is the pounding the chest almost about it. As if that's like, yeah, like look, we did this. You got blown out nine to three. You're in a race to try to make the playoffs, not to win the division and you're already in. Not to, you know, increase your positioning in the playoffs and get home field advantage. 
you are in a race for your lives just to get there. So the fact that you're going to sit back and go, oh, okay, well, you know what? We're going to take it easy. We're going to do the, you know, we're not, we're going to rest them here and there. And hey, guess what? You know what? Today we got blown out. So it's a good thing. It's like, no, man. And I know those aren't his exact words, yeah. but that's basically what you're saying. That's that's so disrespectful to your fan base and also to your players, man. And Aaron Boone has been doing this for a little bit too long now this season in terms of just giving the tips of the cap to the uh, opposing pitchers or to the opposing teams. It, it's time it's time to just start looking at this team for what it is, man. You either got to call it how you know how you see it, or you have to show us that you're going all in on this year by doing these things like playing Aaron Judge and making sure he is in that lineup. Right. For most days. If you're, I mean, look, he has told you time and time again, not 100%, probably not going to be rest of the way. Surgery's an option in the offseason. So if they're bringing him back to play, you know, play him. Yep. I, I, I hate to make it that simple, and I understand he's not going to play every single game the rest of the of the rest of the way. Obviously. But this is a this is a crucial stretch, as we said at the beginning of this segment. You know, if things go south here again, and I get it, the Rays have not been playing good baseball for a while now, so they come in and maybe you find, you, you get fat on them, and you know, the Astros beat them up on Saturday. So uh, not exactly the same Rays team that we saw at the beginning of the season, but a team that you're chasing, you got to chase down, and the Astros as well, unless they end up catching the Rangers. But then you just swap out the Astros for the Rangers in the wild card race. I mean, the time is now. Exactly, and. I mean, I look at this stretch, these next six games, or six seven, games, three seven games, four. seven games. They got yeah. four against uh, Houston, right? Um, so these next seven games, honestly, you got to go five and two, in my opinion. You go five and two, not, and that's not to save the season or anything, but that's to make and this you, run. Yeah, put you right in the mix. Cause exactly. If, you know, you go two and five against teams that you're, you're chasing. You're and yeah, I mean, uh, the middle, there's a middle ground, obviously. Um, but, I mean... It's just anything that doesn't revolve around Judge right now just does not feel right, feels stale, feels shot, feels done. I mean, you look at Anthony Rizzo. He had that one game, four for four, where you thought, okay, he's back, breakout, and he's been same thing since. Yesterday, 0 for 5, five strikeouts. They strike out 18 times at a team as a team, and there's Boone after the game again. Yeah, well, other than the strikeouts, I mean, come on, man. We had some good at bats, better, you know. I thought we built momentum from Saturday. I mean, come on, man. Nobody wants to. And 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 I heard McMonagle say this, and he's right. It's like, why do we even? Why do people even react anymore or care what he had? Like, as if this, it doesn't matter. And basically, we shouldn't take anything he says seriously. I get that, but it's still frustrating because, like, I get the approach, and he's not the only one. And this is what the managers do now. You know, oh, got to be buddy buddy with the players. With the pre- do we really think the players necessarily? pay attention or care to that sort of thing. No. Now, if he goes out there after the game and completely blasts or rips into his guys over and over again, I get that. Or if he's singling guys out, because we think anyone is really any, you know, like, you know, Rizzo, for example, or Stanton is checking to see what Boone said after last night's game. Oh, let's see. Let's no. see if he rips into us for the strikeouts. Oh, no, no, there he is complimenting us. Okay, I feel better about my relationship with my manager now. Come nah, on, bro. Man. They're eating. They're eating dinner after the game, or they're doing whatever they're doing after the game. They don't. They're not going on Twitter and they're checking Aaron Boone's comments or watching the Yes Network to see Aaron Boone's comments. Like they don't. It's so to the point where it's ridiculous that he just comes out with these prepared answers. And he just continues to read them off. And I get what CeeLo's saying, or CeeLo, C-Mac's saying when he's saying, you know, we can't even react to this stuff. But when you start to say that you can't even react to this stuff, 
then we also need to start having a, the conversation about Aaron Boone. Right. Because that's ultimately where we're going to be at the end of the year. And we have to start to think about that. If you're, if we're all tuning him out and everything he's saying is just completely nothing burger after nothing burger. Oh, hell, that's why he's been tuned out on this show. I get yelled yep. at when I play Boone cuts. But I'll tell you what, I'll be playing that one about the strikeouts this morning oh, because that to. is embarrassing. I mean, even if he believes that because he's the f- full, you know, glass half full cockeyed optimist. I mean, I'm sorry. You have to have a feel for the moment and understand that it just makes you look moronic and silly to be putting that out there. It's just, I, if you want to give me the, you know, the answer within the answer and yeah, the strikeouts, but some of the at bats were like nobody, that is not the takeaway from this game. Mm-hmm. It's not. That's a loser statement. Just a complete, like that's, that's a loser statement right there from Boone. And I really, I just, yeah. I don't know. There's yeah. nothing else he can really say to redeem himself at this point for me. All right. Well, I'm wrong about the breaks again here on this program. Eventually, one of these days, I'll figure it out. So we're late for that. Let's do that. Coming right back on the other side. Welcome back. Happy Monday. It's Black Monday for uh, myself and Big Sue. We're rocking the black here. Black shirts this morning. Which you can see if you tune in coming up top of the hour to CBS All Black Everything. Sports Network. Say that again. All Black Everything. All Black Everything. Yes. You've got Gio and Al Dukes on the way on a Monday morning. We're in a much different uh, baseball Mets world than we were when we all left here on Friday. So we'll see what the boys have to say about that. Uh, quickly here, a short segment for us. A uh, little um, either or for you football-wise. Which uh, storyline did you enjoy more over the course of the last, oh, call it, I don't know, five, six days from a football standpoint, the Sean Payton, Nathaniel Hackett, Aaron Rodgers situation, which Rodgers responded to yesterday on NFL Network, or the juiciness out of market between Jim Irsay, Jonathan Taylor, and the Colts. Oh, this is a great one, bro. Got some spicy stuff going on. I mean, this is like this is like choosing between, you know, a nice filet mignon and a nice chicken parm. It's like they're two different oh, tastes, okay. but they're both incredible. Thought you were gonna go ribs, filet mignon Ooh. and a rack Ooh. of ribs or Ooh. something. Nice. You're getting me too hungry for 548. <laughs> All right, but no, I uh, I think that long term, for the weekend, I liked the story with Rodgers and Peyton and all that, and I'm a Jets fan, so I am going to be all over that come week five. I just think that Jim Irsay is... Off his rocker? He's he's done a lot of things, you know. It's a weird dude. Of, he's called out Dan Schneider a lot. He's called the league out for doing a lot of stuff there. I think that's a... My opinion, not maybe the smartest move because I think once you get rid of Dan Schneider, people are going to start turning around and going, ah, oh, this Jim Irsay guy. <laughs> Next on the chopping block? Yeah, he's a little off his rocker, oh, like you said. he's definitely off his rocker. He, bro, he's, he's, yeah. So when I read the quote as it was circulating Saturday, and this is in the midst of all the Scherzer stuff going down, I was like, this has to be fake. Like, this can't be real. <laughs> like, this, someone's just putting this out there, and I'm not, I'm not going to get duped. <laughs> but not only was the quote then, you know, basically confirmed I then watched him speak it. I found the video this morning, not that it was hard to find, but I didn't realize it existed. And the quote I'm referencing was as he goes through this uh, contract situation with Jonathan Taylor, who's, you know, one of the great young backs in the league. And this kind of, this is the latest installment of this running back conversation that we continue to have. If I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor is out of the league, no one's going to miss us. (laughs) The league goes on. We know that. And then they actually had. He wrote the national football rolls on. He forgot to say league. He said league earlier. Doesn't matter who comes and who goes, and it's a privilege to be a part of it. And then he just kind of kept rambling on in an answer that didn't really make sense. 
But you've got that. You've got the text he sent to uh, Albert Breer about Taylor's trade request. We're not trading Jonathan. End of discussion. Not now, not in October. And then the latest uh, part on Sunday was that they're talking about putting him on the non-football injury list because he failed his physical. Oh, my And he's got something with his back from weightlifting in the offseason. So, like, you know, we think about everything that's happened with the running backs and how angry they are and the Zoom session and Saquon Barkley here. Think about how, like, cordial that situation went down compared to what we're looking at here. Yeah, this is like when people were talking about, oh, Saquon, oh, man, they got to get the deal done. Oh, he might hold out. He might do this. He might do that. This is what people thought was going to happen. This was never going to happen. Saquon Barkley is, I mean, listen, Jonathan Taylor is a professional as well, but the Giants are a professional organization. The Colts have an owner who is erratic, to say the least. He's a wild card. Bro, you never he know goes, what the heck he's going to do or what he's going to say. This has been like this for years, too. People just forget because so much has been going on with other teams in the last few years, and the Colts have been so bad that he's been quiet and just in the background. He's he's coming back into the forefront with this, and he is not looking very good at all. And, I mean, between the comments of, you know, Jonathan Taylor, nobody's going to miss any of us, nobody's going to even you know realize that we're gone type of thing, and then just his – vindictiveness in terms of this right here i mean you read the injury that jonathan taylor has he's basically got a sore back and they're trying to working out trying to stay in shape for playing football and i mean and i mean what are we talking about a sore back here he's probably gonna maybe miss a week or two he failed his physical for now but i mean this goes it has to run deeper than that because he's you know he shows up he's complaining of pain He's got a guy. It's, it all seems like leverage plays and like it's sort of a game of poker. Who's going to blink first kind of thing. Have we gotten the uh, independent doctor's physical yet? Right, yeah, that I don't know. But that's probably what's up next. So they've kind of gone to war here a little bit, which should be interesting to track uh, over the course of the next couple of yeah, weeks. Yeah, going forward, that that's the one. Ahead, yeah. I mean, yeah, the Rodgers-Payton thing's probably done now until, like you said, until week five. But does he show up? Uh, in Denver week five and walk across the sidelines and smack him in the face a la Will Smith, Chris Rock, because he hit you yesterday with the better keep my coach's names out of his mouth, out your mouth. So he went Will, he went, he went Will Smith on Sean Payton sitting next to Peter Schrager on NFL Network yesterday. <laughs> I loved it, though. I mean, that's when I thought about Aaron Rodgers growing up and when I because Aaron Rodgers has been in the league since I was 10 years old. So, well, you know, watching Aaron Rodgers growing up, seeing him, you know, as I've matured, too. I've always thought he just he's like a PR guy. You know, he knows what to say until recently when he's starting going off the rocker. But I don't even think it's that he doesn't know. I just think he doesn't care. He's gonna yeah. say whatever the heck he wants to say. Now I think he's in that place and I didn't necessarily put two and two together, but he is completely all in on this team and he doesn't give a damn what anybody thinks. And Plus, I love it. This is also Peyton going after his boy Nathaniel Hackett. Like yep. he I mean I'm not. I don't know if Nathaniel. I don't know if Nathaniel Hackett's married, like with kids. He might be. Like I'm not sure that Nathaniel. If he does, if he is, I'm not sure his wife loves him as much as Aaron Rodgers does. No. Like he, it's amazing. He just like that's his boy, and he will just go to war for him no matter what. I mean, I need I need a friend like Aaron Rodgers, man. If I'm Nathaniel, or, I said, or the old, you know, find somebody that loves you the way Aaron Rodgers loves Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, like, people love to go to that line on Twitter. I mean, that's that's where we're at with this relationship. I mean, but honestly, though, it's still that's what I want to see from Aaron Rodgers. I want him calling people out, or maybe not going out of his way to call yeah, people out. But in this case, he's responding. He's people not, are taking not, shots at us. Right. It's about time that these players and this team and these coaches start standing up for themselves because if people are gonna if 
not the media, but if the fans of the rest of the league are going to start to cast us and players and all those types of stuff are going to cast us as villains, then guess what? We'll be, I'm your Huckleberry. I'll be your villain. And I'm going to take your money while I'm at it because we're going to win those games. We're going to go to Denver. We're going to kick that booty. Yeah, you better hope so. Oh. You got a tough schedule before week five. Oh, we just got to just gotta get through those five weeks. Just got to get through those five weeks. Okay. And then we're going we gonna to beat up on that Sean Payton booty. Well, right now we've just got to get to an Odyssey Sports Minute. Here's John Marks talking about a team he feels is underrated heading into this upcoming NFL season. It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry, the superheroes of WFAN. All right, wrapping up with Big Zoo here on a Monday morning. Oh, yeah. How's the uh, bike tour prep coming, by the way? Uh, we're moving, man. We're moving. We're uh, we're about two weeks in on the gym. I got back into the gym because that's kind of where I like to, when I'm doing my, my best physically, that's where I like to be. So I'm out there doing a, the bike at the gym. I'm doing a little bit of weight work. We're getting you. out. We're doing a, we're doing a little bit of you know a little bit of walking, trying to get some jogging. I'm not trying to do too much though with the knees. Uh, not that I have bad knees, but with the weight, you don't mm-hmm. want to put too much on them. So I'm doing a lot more at the uh, the gym in terms of cardio. But I'm getting out there, man. I'm getting excited. I got the team together too. Wow! Really? Look at you, way ahead of the game. This is what next May is it? I think so the first week. All right, so you're you're not a procrastinator then. You're not waiting until the last minute here. That's a good job out of well, you. Well, I just don't trust my friends to be ready when I call them in May. Are you <laughs> so, going to be ready in May? Is the oh, real question. I'm I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready. WFAN WFAN FM WFAN FM HD One New York always live on the free Odyssey app.